Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Welcome to another episode of Fan Junkies Radio. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis, and alongside me is my co-host, Mike McShane. Mr. McShane. Yes, sir. How do you do? I'm very good. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we need to be on guard here today, Jonathan, for two reasons. Number one, it is Friday, uh, and we know what uh, kind of troubles we run into here on Fan Junkies Radio on Fridays, but it's also the Ides of March. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so... Hopefully everything's going to go well for us here today, huh? I would hope so. Yeah. You know, and, and if it doesn't, well, unfortunately that's what happens here usually, so on well, Fridays. It's starting, off, it's starting off okay because it looks like we've got a full uh, 60 minutes to work with today. Absolutely, absolutely. We've got a full 60 minutes, and it's going to be a good 60 minutes. We're going to be talking a lot about NFL free agency, and joining us today is a good friend of ours, yeah. uh, WFAN 660 AM New York Jets reporter, Chris Lepresti will uh, join us at around the 12.15 p.m. mark to talk about uh, the moves that the Jets are making, the moves that they're not making, and uh, what's going on with them and uh, Tim Tebow and the whole quarterback situation. So yeah, that'll be interesting. It's kind of neat because it's almost like we've got an insider you know, right there on the ground uh, giving us the, the, the first hand on, on what's happening up there with the, uh, with the New York Jets. So that's really, really kind of neat. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll be uh, talking to uh, other people in the future about other NFL teams, too, uh, straight out of Boston. Uh, John Leary will probably be joining us next Friday to talk about the New England Patriots. Very good. Uh, John Leary, sports blogger radio here on the Fan Junkies Radio Network, aired last night. Phenomenal second episode from them. Yep. Great stuff. Uh, Looking so, yeah. forward to that. Looking yeah. forward to that. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I, I, these guys know their stuff, I'll tell you. I'm, I was really, I'm really, really impressed with them. Uh, and again, that, that that's almost like having an insider uh, you know, right there in in uh, New England Patriots territory, and God knows we need somebody up there because uh, some uh, rather odd, funky things going on up there as well. Absolutely, man. We got foot soldiers across the U.S., Mike. Oh, it's it's scary. <laughs> that's, that's how fan junkies rolls, man. I don't know if you know that, but <laughs> all right, man. Let's get into our uh, hat trick picks here, real yes. quick. We got a lot of things to talk about. So, oh, yeah. Um, still leading you three to two. Yes. In our contest here on. At, well, excuse me, at hattrick.nhl.com. And here are today's three questions. There we go. Mike, which team will win between your Philadelphia Flyers, who NHL.com seems to pick a lot for this contest, against the New Jersey Devils? The uh, Flyers are favored, and I certainly hope it goes that way because God knows they need a win. Um, so I'm going to go with the Flyers because uh, it's a home game. Uh, and, uh, boy, I'm going to tell you, if, if they lose back-to-back to, -back to uh, the Devils, you might just have to put a fork in them. Well, it may be a full moon tonight, and if it is, I see Brisgallov having a good game. Well, let's hope. The stars may align for Ilya. That, that would be good, because uh, he needs something humongous big. Humongous big, man. <laughs> anyway, I go with the Flyers. All right. Will Calgary Flames score a power play goal tonight against the Nashville Predators? Calgary's got one of the better power plays uh, going in the league. One of the better ones, uh, not the best. Uh, they score 
on the average about 20% of the time on their power play. So I'm saying yes. I'm saying no. Okay. Will the Detroit Red Wings beat the Edmonton Oilers? Oddly, Edmonton is favored uh, on the Vegas line on this, but I'm going with the Red Wings. How? I know. Anyway, yeah, I got the Red Wings as well. So, all right, there you go. That's our picks. If anybody wants to join us and join our league, head over to hattrick.nhl.com. Sign up. It's free. You got three questions a day, and make sure you join the Fan Junkies Radio League. And if you need help finding out how to do it, email us, info yep. at fanjunkies.net. We'll there you go. There you go. Uh, Mike. Yes, sir. Today in sports. Today my in favorite segments. What's going on? Today in sports. How about this one? 51 years ago today, uh, 1962, uh, Wilt Chamberlain finished the NBA season with, are you ready, 4,029 points in 80 games. Wow. 4,029 points in 80 games. Interesting, too. The, the thing that I found a little bit uh, rather interesting about it, Jonathan, was how early the season ended uh, back uh, 50 years ago, you know? Yeah. Will Chamberlain finished the season, so, in fact, uh, the season concluded back then uh, in mid-March. Wow. You know what the even better thing about that is, Mike? Go ahead. He finished with the same amount of women in 80 days. <laughs> oh. It's the truth. Whoa! It's the truth. Wow. I don't know if you knew about that, but Wilt is a stud, or they was a stud. Put that, they didn't put that on the list for today. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm going to have to send them an email and say you missed it. I think every day we should uh, spat off a random number and try to find out which girl it was that was with with Wilt Chamberlain that day. Holy smokes. Holy shmoles. All right, man. Well, let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, yeah. Somebody spoken about in the past when we had uh, WIFL athlete Kylie Fainel on. We spoke about Carolyn Plott, the 11-year-old football player from uh, out here in Pennsylvania, playing uh, co-ed football and uh, doing a, a, a bang-up job of it as well, Mike. Play, you know, playing against these guys. Yep. The uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, the uh, you know, Archbishop of uh, Philadelphia and uh, you know, the, you know, the diocese and the CYO, they said, you know what, she can no longer play uh, football. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were citing safety issues and what have you. And- you know, essentially, really, it came down to the fact, uh, you know, that she was a female. Yes, yes. Well, we got good news though for yeah, her. Uh, it, was, it was it was nice to watch the video uh, this morning of her mother giving her the good news as she was yeah. walking a block coming home from school with her friends uh, at the uh, direction of the archbishop. The uh, you know, and and this is a quote: the archdiocese will allow for co-ed participation in CYO football effective in the 2013 season. So, Carolyn Blah, uh, you know. Congratulations, you uh, are going to get to play CYO co-ed football. Absolutely. You know, it, it's kind of a heartwarming story in many respects because she just wasn't going to give up. You know, she kept trying. She sent letters. Uh, she got in touch with folks. Her parents obviously helped out as well uh, in getting in touch with people down at the Archdiocese. And, uh, you know, that, that it, uh, to me, it's, it's, great, uh, it's a great story. Um, it, just from the standpoint of, of, uh, of resiliency, you know. Sticking in there with something you believe in and doing a good job with it. Yeah, well, not even that. Just to see, uh, you know, uh, CYO take a step into in co-ed right, sports. It, in it, the right direction, huge, right. Huge. You, you know, to get progressive like that, that's 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 a good good uh, that's a good signal. You Absolutely. Know? Listen, Mike. You know what? I grew up around the Catholic Church. So did I. So did you? You were a Catholic school teacher. Yes. I have played for many many years CYO organized basketball. I've coached CYO basketball. So to both of us know that a step like this is a just a monstrous step. Yes, and and you know, interestingly enough, uh, Jonathan, um, you know, I try to be respectful uh, of the decisions made by my church, um, 
and I, I was hesitant to come out too, too greatly one way or another on this particular issue. But uh, I, I'm very pleased to see that, in my opinion, they made the right decision here. Uh, absolutely, man. Great decision, great decision. All right, well, let's talk the uh, NFL now. Uh, we have a lot of things to talk about, a lot of signings since free agency started on Tuesday. And uh, here's one signing that I really liked, Mike, and uh, we'll get into some other things. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm already going out. I'm not even going to say I'm going out in line, but I'm putting myself out there saying that the Eagles signing of Connor Barwin has been the best so far in free agency. Love that signing. Well, uh, wow, that's that's interesting. The best so far in free agency, huh? Listen, make no mistake, I'm thrilled about it. Uh, when I uh, I first heard the rumor of it, uh, I was out uh, uh, driving yesterday. After I tried to call you, but you didn't pick up. Well, exactly because I was driving. You can talk on the phone in Pennsylvania, Mike. I, I, I yeah, but I you know I don't like I don't I, you know I, I don't text I don't answer the phone you know. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I I was out driving. I heard the rumor come over uh, sports radio, and uh, as soon as I heard it, I was like, "Oh yes, that's great!" Uh, you, you know, listen, I, I I'm on record uh, so far. I I don't have an issue with a lot of the signings that the Eagles have made so far. A lot of other fans uh, kind of felt that they weren't uh, exactly the best picks. Maybe they weren't sexy enough. I don't know. I've I've been fine with all of them. This one I think is great. I love uh, it. I love to, to, it. Wow, I'm, 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 I don't know if I would say it was the best of the free agents. I'm sorry. So far, I think that's the uh, – It's the best for the Eagles. Uh, I, uh, I, I think that's – honestly, to me, that is the best right now so far. Yeah. So. Well, it, I, I'm thrilled with it. I think it will be a, a great addition for the Eagles. Uh, it's evident to me that I think that what they're attempting to do is address some of their defensive deficiencies uh, with free agency and then – Probably address some of the offensive issues in the draft. That's where I think it's going. Yeah. Well, we were talking about that a little bit pre-show. I think that's exactly where they're going to go. Next year, they're going to really start looking for a new quarterback. And, mm-hmm. You know, getting their defense up and ready. Uh, you know, making a lot of big moves on your defensive end there, Mike. So. Yes. Yes. And I think that's – and, they're, you know, the the good thing here that we're seeing – and I'm not – don't get me wrong. I'm not going to I'm not gonna slam the Eagles and say that they haven't tried to address some of these things in the past. But it appears that they have a plan. Now, we as a fan base don't know exactly what that plan is because we haven't seen anything yet from Chip Kelly. But it's evident that they have a plan. Two years ago, when they brought uh, Osamoy in here, we all were, were, were high on the on the pick, but it was evident that they didn't have a plan on that. Yeah. I think that that was simply a way to block Dallas from getting them. Absolutely. Well, kind of backfired, John, you there, but what are you going to do? You know? Yeah, yeah. Out with the old and with the new, so... Let's talk about another Sunday here real quick. Uh, like the Falcons, uh, you know, early this offseason, they cut running back Michael Turner, who's been there for quite a few years now. Uh, yesterday, they announced the signing of signing former Rams running back Steve Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I love this deal for Atlanta. I think this is a great deal for Atlanta. I think Steve Jackson, if healthy, is going to do lots of really good things down there, and it's going to really help out, you know, guys like Matt Ryan and the uh, Falcons offense by taking a lot of uh, heat off of them. A uh, three-year deal for a guy who is uh, rumored to be retiring, Mike. Yeah. Well, I, there are a couple of things you just said there. Uh, one, uh, if healthy. If healthy. Okay. Uh, it's a three-year deal worth uh, $12 million. That's a $4 million uh, guaranteed. Uh, I think for the amount that the Falcons paid, I think it's probably worth the gamble. Um, so yeah, three years, $12 million. Exactly. I yeah. think that this is a good signing for them. Um, I, I think the signing... Uh, and the amount of money that they threw at him is evident of exactly what you just said, and that is if healthy. Yeah, if healthy. 
If otherwise, otherwise, I think this contract could have been a lot more than that. You think so? Oh, I think it could have been absolutely. If there weren't those question marks hanging out about that, I think this this contract would have been. Oh, I mean, you know, he's going to be thirty. I know, because well, thirty is so old. Well, for a running back, it is, <laughs> and it is. You know, but unfortunately, no, say for a running no. back, that's. Uh, you know, man, that's a 40-year-old basketball player right there. You're absolutely right. And 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 we know that, you know, probably of all the positions out there on that field, a running back ages probably faster than almost any other position. Yeah. So, uh, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, you know, you know it's I always sad, though. I mean, they talk about how injury-prone Steve Jackson is. This past season, he played 16 games. Season before, 15. Season before that, 16. Season before that, 15. It's not as bad as we thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, you know the season before that, twelve and twelve, and I think the two thousand seven and eight and two thousand eight and nine seasons where he only played twelve games apiece, I think really hurt him. But he's got four years of consistent play. Yeah, yeah, four years of thousand plus yard games. And listen, I think he's definitely an upgrade over Turner. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that one. Yeah, well, uh, we said it before, Jaquez Rogers, he's not going to be the starter in Atlanta. He's just not a starting type running back. And I told you that, you know. I, I, I no, I, you did. Competent backup. Yeah. I, I, I think Rogers is. I think Rogers is a very good running back. He's, you know what? That's, you know, to me, that's the Jets sticking with Sean Green and putting it all on his back. You know, I, I think that I would think, be the same down there if they would have did that with Jaquez Rogers. I think you run that as a split set. Oh yeah, the yeah. two of them back there, and and you've got yourself, you've got yourself one one, you know, interesting looking offensive running game. Well, you know, you know, you know what the good thing is though. You use Jaquez's, you know, Jaquez Rogers' speed, and that's going to help keep Steve Jackson even better for the whole season. I agree. So, I agree. Now, um, interestingly, in the uh, in the report that you had sent over to me, uh, Jackson was also being courted by who? The Packers. Packers, but they never signed anybody in free agency. Oh really? Okay, I I didn't know that was the unwritten rule. Oh yeah, with that <laughs> very very gun shy during free agency, the Packers. Okay, all right. So you know, kind of- you know, oh, you know, over the years, Green Bay's had so many big names visit them right off the bat, and those big names just leave and instantly sign with another team. So kind of, kind of like Jerry Jones this year, huh? Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got them under the cap, but then again, uh, you know, I think he's going to go for those. Uh, you know, for the smaller free agents like some other teams are doing right now. So yeah, Jerry, Jerry just woke up today and found out the free agency's been going on now for about four days. Yeah. All right. Just got a little hey, bit. Hey, you know, where was the guy to wipe my glasses? I, I I couldn't see that it was going on. Well, he's 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 no longer there, Mike. Yeah. They had to get rid of him to get under the cap. So. Well. <laughs> had to help them out a little bit. I uh, just ran on Twitter a little bit a uh, little bit ago. Pittsburgh Steelers who already lost Mike Wallace, uh, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders will be going to um, New England for a visit, and it looks like the Patriots could sign him to an offer sheet. Wow! So there you go for uh, the Patriots who uh, basically lost, uh, you know, Russ Welker, and they're not too happy about. Well, now that depends on who you're talking to is uh, not too happy about. Maybe the fans aren't too happy about it. Yeah. Maybe Tom Brady's not too happy about it. There's a lot of fans that aren't too happy about it. I so. think Bill Belichick is fine with it. Yeah, looks like it. All right, but you know what? Let's get to our guest right now, and uh, this should be him. So joining us is uh, WFAM 660 AM Jets reporter Chris Lepresti. Chris, what's going on? How you doing, guys? Hey, Chris. We appreciate you being with us again. No problem. Thanks for having me. This is a, uh, this is a, a, a pretty busy week for you, I would imagine. 
Yeah, it's been very interesting to say the least. You feel like, you know, the second you step away from your phone or Twitter, things start to happen. So uh, I tried to balance it the best I could between uh, paying attention to what's going on and working my uh, regular update anchor shifts at the fan. So it's, it's been a busy one, but it's been a lot of fun. Well, we'll yeah. try not to take up too much of your time there, but we appreciate you being on with us. No problem. So, you know what, right away, Chris, before we got on air here, uh, Jets made a signing. They signed running back Mike Goodson. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that move and how that's going to help the Jets after losing Sean Green? Yeah, well, I think this, these are the kind of moves you're going to see from John Inzik. It's the sort of low-risk, low-cost move. Uh, the numbers we're hearing on the Goodson deals, three years, $6.9 million, which is significantly cheaper than what Sean Green got from the Titans to go and back up Chris Johnson. So, you know, in Goodson, you get a guy who, you know, look, this is what the Jets are looking for. They're looking for sleepers, guys that haven't really made a lot of impact just yet at the NFL level, maybe someone who's, you know, been behind a big-time back, and that's certainly the way it's been for Goodson so far in his career. Drafted by the Panthers, playing behind D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan yeah. Stewart, got traded to Oakland and didn't see a lot of time playing behind Darren McFadden, but... You know, he's a speedy back who has the ability to catch passes out of the backfield, which is pretty much the complete opposite of what Sean Green was. So, um, <laughs> yes. you know, I just think it, it gives the Jets some versatility in the backfield, obviously, to go along with uh, Bilal Powell and Joe McKnight. So, you know, they're grabbing a guy who they think has some upside, doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires because he hasn't seen a lot of touches, has had a couple injury problems and some fumble problems so far in his career. But again, when you're dealing with a team who has a lot of holes to fill with limited cap space, these are the kind of deals we're going to see. Low risk, low cost, and they're going to cross their fingers and hope that they hit a home run. Yeah. Now, is Goodson going to have a chance to start with the Jets here, or is uh, Bilal Powell going to be penciled in right away, you know, almost right away as a starter with uh, Goodson being the third down back? No, I would expect there to be some sort of competition in training camp. You know, I... <laughs> Who starts and who doesn't, that that might be kind of trivial just because I expect them to rotate a lot of backs through in different situations. I think each of them brings a little something different to the table. Um, but, you know, when you're making a three-year commitment <clears throat> to a guy like Goodson when you don't have a ton of money to spend, I would certainly expect him to come in and, and at least be given the opportunity to play a significant role in the offense. Uh, so we'll have to see how things look once they get to training camp. But, you know, they've got three capable backs, not anyone that I would say is a clear number one. Um, but guys that, like I said, can offer you a little bit something different in, in different packages and guys that they would expect to contribute. And obviously we can't rule them out, mm. uh, excuse me, rule out the Jets taking a, a running back at some point in the draft. Okay. The, other, the other big story, Chris, uh, Revis, uh, can you give us an update? What's uh, what's going on there? Yeah, this is this has been very interesting, and, you know, I've been asked about it a lot. And I'm sure. I, I understand you know, the stories out there of, oh, it's an imminent trade. They've got to get rid of him. They'd be crazy not to. You know, you had the story in the Daily News quoting a source saying John Idzik would be an idiot not to trade him and that it could end up getting him fired. I think all that's a little bit extreme at this point. Uh, and I think, as we've seen, those stories came out that it was an imminent trade, and here we are, you know, on Friday, and we're days into free agency, and, you know, it's status quo. Uh, so I certainly the stories we've read, you know the Buccaneers are very interested at the right price. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of you know you peel back the onion on this, and there's a lot of different levels to this whole scenario. You know Revis's health coming back off the knee injury, and everything we've been told is that the rehab's going well. 
and that they expect him to return to his his prior form. Obviously, the contract situation, any team trading for him is going to have to put up big money or run the risk of just letting him walk and almost be a one-year rental. Uh, And obviously, we have the Jets trying to get proper value for him. And let's be honest, in addition to the injury and the contract situation, I think you guys have seen what's gone on with the cornerbacks in this market so far. Uh, They're not getting paid a lot of money, and that's just what's going on this year with with the, in the flat cap era, cornerbacks are not getting big time money, so kind of makes it hard for Revis, who's you know in search of twelve to sixteen million dollars annually, to make those kind of demands coming off a major knee injury. When we've got capable free agent cornerbacks out there who are you know barely getting six million dollars a year annually in the deals they're signing, so I would expect this to kind of drag itself out a little bit. We've heard things are going to heat up uh, at the at the meetings coming up out west this week. Uh, you know, I just think John Idzik is doing the right thing here. And what we've seen from him so far since he's come on board is that he's a patient, even-keeled, kind of laid-back guy. I don't think he's going to make any impulsive decisions. I think he understands this is extremely important. It's his first major move, and if he doesn't get it right and doesn't get what he feels is proper value back for the best player on their roster – you know, he's just going to get destroyed by a very frustrated fan base that, that the Jets already have. Yeah. One quick follow-up on that, though, Chris. Uh, do you think that the hold-up here is the demands that Revis is making or the fact that uh, Idzik is looking for, as you say, proper value? What's the hold-up? I don't think the hold-up has to do with Revis just because I don't think he and his agents have been given permission to talk to teams yet. I think what's okay. going on right now is – you know, from everything we've heard, and then look, there's always sleeper teams out there that maybe no one's heard about that are kind of under the radar. But from what we've heard right now, it's the Bucks since the Jets, and then they're going back and forth, kind of playing this game of poker. Who's going to blink first? You know, the Bucks are obviously interested uh, in filling a hole at, at at cornerback and adding to you know what a, a pretty good haul that they've made so far in free agency and trying to to, to build their defense. Um, but, you know, they're not willing to give up the number 13 pick in the draft, and I'm not surprised by that. And the Jets obviously want a proper return. They're not willing to settle for a second-round package right now. One thing that's been talked about is could they possibly, you know, be interested in taking Tampa Bay's first-rounder for 2014? You know, that's something that we'll have to examine. Obviously, the Jets are not going to be very competitive this year, but based on what we've seen so far in terms of the the moves they're making. So you look ahead to next year, and if they're going to go ahead and draft another quarterback, you know, we expect that draft to be, you know, I wouldn't say stockpiled with quarterbacks, but it's certainly a better quarterback draft next year on paper than this year. So I think the Jets are just analyzing their their options here, and I think Idzik, like I said, is doing the right thing. I don't think it hurts to wait a little bit. I don't see the I don't see the need to rush here and just basically run Revis out of town. So I think he's doing the right thing, and he's going to wait and see if he can kind of get a little bit more out of the Bucks than the Bucks are willing to give up right now. Yeah. So realistically, what do you think Darrell Revis is worth, and what kind of package do you think the Jets would uh, you know ultimately get back for him? Well, I don't see the Jets budging right now until they can find a team that's willing to give up uh, a first-rounder. Now, like I said, with the Bucks, I think number 13 is a little too high, so yeah. ultimately they may have to settle on that 2014 pick, which I'm sure the Bucks are gambling, hey, we're going to be a better team, so that pick probably won't be as high. No. Um, but, you know, there's other teams out there. We've heard the 49ers mentioned. That's kind of died down a little bit. Uh, and they're they're actually, well, from what I've heard, close to deals with Namdi Asamoah and Charles Woodson. So it uh, looks like they might be going down a different path. I still think the Falcons are a possible landing spot. Uh, Brent Grimes is a free agent. We haven't heard much from him. And uh, Dante Robinson is gone. So um, yeah, that's a team who's obviously very you know, very much looking to make that Super Bowl run. They came close yep. this last year. Issue with them, not a ton of cap room. Uh, that's a late first-round pick. So 
you know, again, we're talking about will the Jets want to jump in and get a, a pick for this year, or are they willing to settle for something for next year? Uh, I thought the Eagles would have been a good landing spot, but they've already signed a couple of uh, defensive backs here so far early on in free agency. So, you know, right now it seems to be the Jets and the Bucks, and I don't think the Jets are going to budge and, at least at this point in time, give up Revis for a package built around a second-round pick. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about the quarterback spot here, Rod. <laughs> uh, <laughs> me being a Jets fan, you being a Jets fan and covering him, uh, you know, <laughs> crazy stuff always going on here. Which quarterback do you want to start with? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, it's just the, uh, you know, about a week and a half ago, they signed David Garrard. They bring Garrard back in. Tebow's still here. Sanchez is still here. McElroy's here. Uh, all of a sudden now, Cardinals releasing Kevin Copte at around 4 p.m. And, uh, you know, right away, it's already sounding like that the Jets are going to jump all over Kevin Cobb. What's going on with the quarterback situation? <laughs> Why is Tim Tebow still here? And realistically, do you see Kevin Cobb coming to New York? All right, well, I'll try and take them in order. Uh, what's <laughs> going on with the quarterback situation is that the Jets are going to put a lot of lines in the water and, and hope they can catch something big here, obviously. You know, that's the case when, you know, uh, Mark Sanchez is coming off the year he just had. You're going you're gonna to take a lot of – a lot of looks at a lot of different guys. Again, low cost, low risk, and hope you can you can strike gold with someone. Yeah. The Tebow question, you know, I really have no idea why he's still on the roster. My best guess is they're trying to find, trying to convince somebody he's worth a trade, which you know we all know there's no reason for that. You know, there's just not enough interest out there. So ultimately, I think the Jets are going to end up end up releasing him. I, I can't tell you exactly when, but I'd be stunned if he makes it. You know, even to minicamp, it just doesn't it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Uh, I don't. I don't mind the Garrard signing at all. I mean, I understand he's he's had a ton of injuries, hasn't played in the last two years. But again, low risk, low cost. I mean, it's basically a million dollar one year deal with a very small signing bonus. He says he's healthy, and you know it's a good veteran presence to have in the locker room, especially considering some of those veteran guys they've lost that were you know big influences in the locker room. When you talk about at least on defense, Mike DeVito and Jeremiah Bell. Yeah. Uh, so if he's healthy, he's been a productive player in his career. So I think that's the kind of guy the Jets probably should have brought in last offseason to push Sanchez. We saw what happened with Tebow and how that didn't work out. As for Kevin Cobb, you know, it's an obvious answer just because of his connection to Marty Morningweg with the Eagles right. and the West Coast offense. Um, you know, everyone seems to think that's a slam dunk. I did read there's a possibility he could re-sign with the Cardinals, obviously for much less money. They released uh-huh. him because he wasn't willing to take a pay cut on uh, $11 million, which right. is, you know, not surprising on either on either side. But, uh, yeah, I would expect the Jets to be very involved in that and take a look at bringing him in when you bring a guy – uh, when you bring a guy in who knows the, the offense of the brand new offensive coordinator, and coming off the year Sanchez had, and the fact that he's now going to have to learn a whole another new offense, another new offensive coordinator, I think the more options they can have, the more competition they can have, I think that's exactly what John Isaac's looking for. So, not surprised at all they're interested in Cobb, and would not be surprised to see him land with the Jets. Now, if they no, you know, just real quick because we're just talking about the quarterbacks here. Yeah, if they sign Kevin Cobb. Are we going to see a Drew Stanton part two here with them getting rid of Gerard right away, or what? I don't. I personally, I don't think so. I mean, uh, anything's possible when you're dealing with the Jets. Obviously, we know that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I would want to keep everyone around just because you want to take a look and see who looks the best when come training camp time. And it's not like they made a significant financial commitment to to Gerard. I know they're 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 strapped for cash under the cap, but. Uh, I'd keep him around. Again, good veteran presence. If he's healthy, maybe you find something there. Kevin Cobb has been disappointing every every time he's been given a chance. 
so far in his career. Obviously, going out to Arizona was pretty much a disaster. So, I, again, I understand the connection with Marty Morningweg and the West Coast offense, but it's not like you're bringing in a proven veteran quarterback here. This is a guy who has had upside in his career and has been thought highly of, but hasn't really come through and produced the way he was expected to. So mm-hmm. we already know about Sanchez and, and the disappointment there over the last two seasons. I'd want to, If I were Idzik and Rex Ryan, I'd want to have as many options as possible coming into training camp. There have been a lot of rumors about uh, Geno Smith. Uh, anything to that? And if they were to make that move, wouldn't they have to trade up? Uh, you know, possibly. I, I've, I've I've heard a lot of different opinions on where he's going to land. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he's the the stock is rising based on his his pro day yesterday. He did very well. I'd be stunned if the Jets used their first round pick uh, on any quarterback. I just think there's way too many holes that have to be filled. This is a deep draft uh, yeah. along the offensive line and the defensive line, as well as sort of those hybrid three, four linebackers, and I think that's a major need for the Jets. Uh, I just can't see them making another big financial commitment to a quarterback this season uh, when they have as many holes to fill as they do. The uh, fan base, uh, Chris, uh, and I'm I'm looking at this as an outsider looking in because I'm down here in the Philadelphia region. Uh, It appears the Jets lost a lot of players to free agency. Um, It's new in there, but from from the fan base's perspective, I don't know. You've got so many quarterbacks in the in the fold. Is there a plan? It doesn't look like there's a plan, and I'm wondering whether the fan base is is echoing any of that. Well, I think the fan base is echoing that, and they're frustrated and they're panicking to a certain extent just because, look, this free agency stuff, it, it's crazy. I mean, basically, within 24 hours of the opening of free agency, you know, he had Jets fans running for the hills they were just up in arms couldn't how could they not sign anyone because they see teams all over the place throwing money all over the place left and right to bring guys in but you know i'm not surprised at all with the way things have played out so far and i think okay. there is a plan and i think that's exactly what we're seeing is is john Idzik is going to be patient that's his mo uh he doesn't have a ton of money to work with they have a ton of spots to fill so for them to to throw big money at a guy right off the bat in day one or two doesn't make a lot of sense for them. They have to they have to be bargain hunters. They have to shop. They have to be patient. They have to wait for the market to kind of establish itself. And I think we've seen that over the past couple of days. Maybe not so much with the Jets, but with other teams, you're seeing the money dry up quickly. I mean, some of these deals that are going out now, especially with the defensive backs, are kind of surprising. And the other thing you're seeing is a lot of these guys that were franchise tagged are all of a sudden wanting to sign their franchise tag yeah, because right. there's not. A ton, there's not a ton of money out there. You look at a team like uh, Seattle, they managed to bring in two legit speed pass rushers on one- and two-year deals for not a lot of money. So I think the Jets are playing it right. Are they going to end up with any big names? Probably not. But, again, so many spots to fill. This is the way it's going to be. You're going to find, you're going to have basically a no-name team or, or a roster of guys who are unproven, uh, guys that you're taking a chance on at, again, low money, and you're hoping that they can come in and, and kind of make an impact or turn some heads now that they've been given an opportunity to get more extensive playing time. So I'm not surprised at all by the approach they've taken. In terms of the guys that they've lost to free agency, you know, I don't think any of them hurt a big deal, maybe outside of Leron Landry, but we knew the Jets weren't going to be able to afford him. There was too much interest. Mike DeVito, good locker room presence. I think, you know, people are saying, oh, that's a steal for the Chiefs. We'll have to see how that plays out. I think he's a nice player, but I certainly don't think he's a game changer. The one that surprised me, which just happened a couple hours ago, Dustin Keller finally getting a one-year deal from the Dolphins. He spent over a day down there. seemed like he was looking for a multi-year deal. You can't blame him for that. And it didn't happen. And the fact that he was going to have to settle for a one-year deal, I would have expected the Jets 
to, to you know to take a run at him just because he's had so much success with Mark Sanchez and he was going to need to take a one-year deal to sort of reestablish his value and his health. And that was the knock all of a sudden is that he couldn't stay healthy. Let's be honest, outside of this season, he's been a very consistent player. Yeah. Uh, and he certainly seems like a guy that would have fit in the West Coast offense. So that's the one I'm, I think I'm most surprised about, that the Jets weren't able to bring him back uh, at a, you know, a reasonable one-year contract. I well, agree. I agree. Sure. You and I were talking about that one before the show yeah, started. Yeah, we were. Well, does that uh, you know what is that a sign that you know what with them getting rid of Sanchez's most favorite target on this team is that a sign that you know what they're really not going to be banking on Sanchez as being a starter and at a one-year four and a half million dollar deal would it have been worth it for the Jets to bring him back at, at that money? I you know I was thinking about that. I, it's, I we're reading between the lines. That's very possible that that's a little bit of a shot over the bow to Sanchez. I don't know right. for sure. They might have felt like. You know, four and a half million was was a little too much for, you know, a guy coming off an injury plague season. The fact that their offense hasn't been extremely dynamic and, and that they might be able to find again more of a bargain at tight end out there. Um, but yeah, I, if I'm Sanchez, I certainly if I'm reading between the lines or looking at the writing on the wall, um, I'm a little I'm a little upset about that just because he was such a comfortable you know check down target for him and they had a good a good rapport. Uh, the fact that he's not brought back on a one year deal is, has to be a little bit alarming for the quarterback that's, you know, supposed to be the franchise guy, and now they're bringing in competition. So maybe they're trying to light a fire under his butt. Maybe they've basically decided already, hey, he's he's not going to be the guy. We're going to move on from him. So those are answers we're not going to get, obviously, until training camp. But that mm-hmm. that one that one was a bit of a head-scratcher for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They seem to love to get rid of his targets in Braylon Edwards and Dustin Keller real quick. So Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't rule out Edwards coming back maybe late yeah. in free agency for, for, you know, cheap money. That's not anything we've really heard yet. But, again, yeah. they, they're going to need to fill out a roster. There's a guy who doesn't have a ton of uh, a ton of interest elsewhere, uh, and he seems to really like playing for the Jets and likes the organization. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up when all is said and done back with the Jets. Yeah. Next move the Jets make. Uh, hearing about Antoine Barnes, do you think that's the next road they go down? Well, he's still in town being hosted. Um, they there's obviously some interest there. Uh, that one's a, a little surprising for me. Here's a guy who's going to turn 29 in October and hasn't had a ton of production in his career. I know he had 11 sacks in 2011 playing for the Chargers, but last year he only plays in 11 games. He had nine tackles and three sacks. Uh, again, it's unfortunate these are the kind of moves we're going to expect. They're looking for guys who are maybe coming off a down year that they see some ability in and some upside in that are looking to have a bounce-back season. Uh, there's certainly a need at linebacker, especially on the outside, so if they feel this is a guy with some speed that can rush the passer, passer they're going to take a look. I wouldn't expect them to be paying any sort of significant money to him if this deal gets done. Uh, the other thing to consider that I've heard a little bit about is that the Jets are going to possibly transition to a little bit more of a 4-3 look this year on defense mm-hmm. instead of a 3-4. I don't know how you know how true that is or if it's just going to be sort of like a hybrid defense, but that's something to keep an eye on as they go through free agency or as they get towards the draft. Just right. Because there's a, in the draft, especially early on, there's a lot of you know, high upside, talented, hybrid guys who could go between a 4-3 defensive end and a 3-4 three, three, outside four. linebacker. So, I think that's um, exactly where the uh, – you're absolutely right, and that's a great point. I think that's exactly what the Eagles are thinking of doing as well. Right. 
Right. So that's you know, and that and that makes sense. That's kind of the, the the way this league is headed. You need those hybrid guys that can that you can have a lot of looks on defense. You can stand them up and rush them from the outside. You can put them down on the ground to rush from the outside as a defensive end. On third downs, you can put those strong guys inside and in where a defensive tackle would normally yep. be. So teams are looking for players that that can be versatile and that they can line up in different spots on the defense, just to give the these offenses different looks because we know that these offenses have become so efficient with the rule changes. You know, things have really uh, played into their favor. So uh, I'm not surprised at all that there's sort of this evolution on defense and teams are looking to, to get more versatile. And obviously I would think the Jets would explore that avenue as well. Yeah, Chris, a quick question about the coach. Uh, Ryan, he's in his last year of a contract, is he not? He is, yes. And there's been no extension. Now, if, if, if as you've pointed out, if this is a team that is, for all intent and purpose, perhaps maybe rebuilding for next year – and we're not expecting much. How's this going to bode for Rex Ryan? Yeah, this has been a big topic of conversation this week so far here on Sports Radio in New York. It's just that, you know, why did the Jets bother bringing him back if this is the path they're going to go, where they're basically going to blow up his team, let all of his guys walk, and, and basically bring in an entirely new roster. So we don't really have the, the answer to that. I don't know if it's just they felt, hey, He's got another year left on his deal. Why are we going to pay him to sit at home? We're not going to be any good anyway, so let's just have him coach the team. Or we've seen Woody Johnson seems to have a bit of an infatuation with Rex. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's just the matter of he wasn't willing or ready to let go of him just yet. I know Woody thinks highly of him, especially in terms of attracting the fan base and selling tickets. He's a bit of a sideshow. Um, <laughs> obviously, we've seen that. He's toned things down a little bit this offseason. We haven't heard much from him, and what is there to say, really? I mean, there haven't been many moves. And right. Like we've talked about, they've basically blown up his entire defense, which was the best unit by far on this team last year. They were actually ranked eighth in the league. The secondary mm-hmm. played extremely well without Revis, and now Cromart- uh, excuse me, not Cromartie, um, Jeremiah Bell and Laurent Landry are gone. So, right. Uh, you know, whether he's dead man walking or lame duck, uh, you know, it doesn't look good right now, obviously. But um, I don't know. I think Rex really likes New York. He likes the Jets. I think Woody Johnson likes him a lot. So I'm not surprised he was kept around. But if they have some sort of disastrous season, which right now it's not looking very good, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Idzik push Woody Johnson to, to bring in a new coach for 2014. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, one of the things I was thinking about with them keeping Rex Ryan around. If there was nobody out there that they really, uh, you know, were just in awe of in, in in order to get rid of Rex Ryan and bring them in. So that's one well, of the th- things I thought about. So. Well, yeah, I mean, and on the, on the other end of that, uh, how attractive is this job right now for a big-time coach that's maybe sitting out there looking for the next opportunity? It's, there's just not a lot going on right now. So maybe Idzik and Woody Johnson feel like, hey, let's take the year to, to rebuild ourselves a little bit. You know, stock up for the 2014 draft and 2014 free agency. Hopefully, we can bring in some big names, and maybe that makes us a little bit more attractive of a landing spot for a big time coach. But, you know, that all remains to be seen. We've got an entire season to play here, anything can happen. Uh, and the Jets obviously still aren't done making moves. We don't expect anything major, but uh, there's still plenty of names out there. We've still got the draft coming up. Hopefully, they can hit some home runs there, and uh, we'll see what happens. Right, man. Right. Sounds good. All right, Chris. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for uh, taking the yeah. time out of your busy schedule to join us, man. We really, really appreciate and love always having you on. So No problem, guys. Always Great insight, Chris. You. Thank you. We appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. You too now. That was uh, Chris Lepresti from WFN 660 AM up in New York City, yep. and you can follow him on Twitter at C. Lepresti, WFAN. Uh, great guy. 
really knowledgeable of the game, really knowledgeable of the Jets organization. And, uh, you know, as always, thank you for coming on. Great stuff. Great to have an insider like that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Always is. Now, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about this uh, tuck rule, Mike. Yes. NFL uh, may abandon the tuck rule, and uh, if nobody really knows about the tuck rule, it's, uh, you know, its popular moment was during the uh, New England Patriots playoff win over the Oakland Raiders back in 2002. Right. So the Raiders are probably, uh, you know, happy that this may be uh, abandoned now, but kind of pissed off that it wasn't abandoned back in 2002. Yep, yep. What do you think of this, Mike? Well, you know, frankly, it's overdue. Uh, you, you know, it was one of those rules, Jonathan, that when we saw it even being called on the field, it was so uh, subjective. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 you never. It, there were times that you saw it being called, and there were times where you thought it was going to be called, and then it wasn't called. Uh, and I think that that went to just how stupidly gray the whole thing was. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm frankly pleased to see that it's out of there. Uh, that's that's where I am with it. Uh, as you point out, um, I think it's I think it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that the the, the Oakland Raiders aren't uh, very happy about it. But um, hey, it is what it is, and uh, at least they perhaps maybe have corrected a mistake that they made. You know, let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you how how do you feel about. I mean, you're probably pleased about it, yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely pleased about it. I think it was time to finally get rid of it, and yeah. uh, you know what? I hope it goes through, and I hope they do get rid of it. So. Yes, absolutely. It's it, Listen, man, it's a stupid rule. It's there to protect, uh, you know, big-name quarterbacks. We've seen it a lot with Tom Brady, so. He wasn't the only one that benefited from it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Absolutely not. But he was one of the, you know, he was one of them that benefited the most from it. So, you know, look, it, it, you know, I think so many, I think so many people put it on his back because let's get it straight. It was on his back. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I mean, my, my big issue with it was you just never knew when it, it was not one of those obvious types of rules. Yeah. And that it's was funny. my big problem with it. Yeah, it's funny. Oakland Raiders sent out a tweet uh, last night saying, Tuck rule? It's been 11 years, one month, and 23 days, yeah, but who's yeah. counting? Exactly. So that was great stuff uh, from the Oakland Raiders last night. Uh, <laughs> now, this, tweet. this apparently has passed the rules committee, I believe, but it has not been actually uh, implemented. Uh, am I correct on that? Yeah, not yet. Okay, now. If it were to if it were to go into effect, would it go into effect immediately for this season? Do you know? Uh, that I'm not too sure about, Mike. Okay. I would hope so, but I really don't know. Possibly next season. So. Okay. I'm not too sure about that. Um. Now we got to talk about the Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens right now. Uh, this is a team that is just falling apart at the seams, Mike. And you have to wonder why, because a lot of questionable moves are being made here by the Baltimore Ravens that you wouldn't. Expect them to make. Um, right off the bat, they signed Flacco to that monster, monster deal, making him the you know the, the highest paid quarterback in the league. Right. Something we spoke about, something we weren't too happy about. Uh, right after that, they turned around, they traded Anquan Bolden to the Ravens. Uh, excuse me, to the Forty Nine ers for a sixth round pick, which a lot of people were like, you know, why? Well, it was so cheap. So cheap, exactly. In, in my opinion, it was cheap. They, I think they could have gotten more for it than that. Uh, you know. I referred I referred to that transaction last night on five minutes at the Pratt House. I said that you know that was the beginning 
of what appeared to be a Marlins-type uh, fire sale. Well, that's why we were calling them the Baltimore Marlins as soon as we started seeing everything exactly. going down here. So, uh, you know what, let's just uh, talk about some of the moves real quick. Uh, Ray Lewis retired. Ray Lewis, gone. Uh, tight end, uh, Dennis Pita, free agent. He's still out there meeting with some teams. Right. Uh, they lost an LRB to the Dolphins on a five-year deal. They lost uh, Bernard Pollard, who they cut. Don't right. know why. Crazy right. move. They lost Paul Kruger, who was huge throughout the playoffs and this season, uh, to the Browns, who also signed a five-year contract. And then they lost cornerback Kerry Williams, who signed with your Eagles, Mike. Yes. Yes. And all of a sudden, now we're here, and Ed Reed looks like he might be signing with the Houston Texans. He's been down there for two days now yeah. in Houston. Um, what's going on with this team? Yeah, I would love to hear from some folks in the Baltimore region. Um, you know, maybe maybe they can give us a little bit of insight. Um, you know, maybe the fan base is really, really uh, irate about it, or maybe they, they know exactly what the plan is. Uh, you know, I was talking with uh, with Brandon here last night here at the frat house, Brandon made the comment, you know, look, this is a defensive team that was getting a bit long in the tooth anyhow, and it might be a situation where, in fact, the Ravens do have a plan, and their plan is that they're just going to rebuild with use. Yeah. I I, I don't know, man, because, you know what, if you're going to sign Flacco to that big of a deal, and then the first thing you do right after that is get rid of a wide receiver who, and I'm going to tell you right now, he was partly – the reason of Flacco having the season he had this year and winning the Super Bowl, and then you get rid of him for a six-round pick. I mean, are you just banking on Torrey Smith or what? I mean, do they know something what's going on there? Are they bringing somebody up, or are they going to you know, go wild in a draft for somebody that they know is better than Anquan Bolden? I, I mean, I don't know. I was shocked by all of these moves. Oh, come on now, uh, Jonathan. I mean, listen, Flacco's an elite quarterback. He can throw to anybody. Well. Do you hear my sarcasm? Uh, listen, I've pointed it out to you as well before, though. Um, you know, this is not a great draft for offensive players, but if you're looking for receivers, you could do well in the first two rounds. So I, I would suspect that you're going to see, of course, they've gutted their entire defense. So I'm not quite sure at this point right now where the Ravens are going to be going with the draft. Yeah, They haven't done much at all in the standpoint of free agency. Had they even made any signings? Uh, they re-signed a couple of their guys, but I don't see where they've actually picked anybody up. Yeah, well, they've uh, yeah they just resigned. Uh, who did they resign? Uh, David Reed, Morgan Cox, uh, James Ahedebo, uh Raymond Harewood, Damian Barry, Chris Johnson. Yeah. So uh, yeah, really uh, nobody. I mean, they're, they're oh, well, yeah, well, yeah, they signed Chris Canty. Excuse me. Okay, all right. To a three-year deal, which uh, to me is not anything of an upgrade. So. So I'm not quite sure where this Ravens team is going to be going. Uh, with regard to free agency, uh, or, or rather with regard to the draft. Uh, if, if you know, I, I think you make a good point. They're going to need themselves a receiver. Uh, you're going to need to use a first or a second round, in my opinion, in this particular draft, if, if you want a receiver that can walk in as a, as a freshman and walk onto your field and be a starting receiver. You're yeah. going to have to pick within the first two rounds in this particular draft. Well. Um, now, the, the problem, however, that I see that the Ravens have got, as I just pointed out, is that they've gutted their defense. Now, as Chris has pointed out, and as I've stated uh, continuously with regard to this current draft, if you're looking defense, this is your draft. Yeah. This is your draft right here. Yeah, this is not an offensive draft. Correct. And we've said that for quite a few months now. So you've got a bit of a problem if you're – I mean, I you know, talk, I was just saying to Chris, I mean, what's the plan for the Jets? 
I got to ask the question right now with the Ravens. What's the plan? Yeah, I mean, you know what? The Jets right away. I mean, you know, the Jets—they're rebuilding for the future. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Chris, Chris was was cogent in what he was trying to tell us there, and some of it made a lot of sense. Uh, but what's going on here? I got to ask the questions when you're unloading offensive players like Bolton and gutting your defense at the same time. You only get so many opportunities in the draft early on. Yeah. You know, it's you know to me just a huge mistake dropping Anquan Bolden and uh, you know what I think uh, whatever they won the Super Bowl this year but that has nothing to do with next season and they're gonna suffer uh, watching uh, Flacco go back to what he was a lot of ducks thrown up in the air if you don't got a wide receiver that's able to pull down uh, balls like that that are in the air uh, you know quarterbacks worth nothing so and we said that many times before Mike in the future so. absolutely absolutely I I I just you know. Uh, I, again, I'd love to hear from somebody down in the Baltimore region. Uh, you know, uh, I can't imagine that they're too too happy with uh, what they're watching right now going on uh, with this team. Yeah, so let's throw that out there. The number is three four seven two three seven five three seven three. If you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, uh, give us a call. Let us know what you think of yep. uh, what's going down there in Baltimore right after winning the Super Bowl. Are the Ravens letting you down already? So, like to know about that. Um, before we talk about the Vikings here, let's talk about this. Uh, you know, got two visiting uh, members of uh, the NFL going to the New England Patriots, uh, visiting and looking around today in, uh, well, actually, uh, safety Adrian Wilson, defensive end John Abraham, and free agent Dwight Freeney will be visiting with the Patriots today. How about that one? So that would be uh, three bitty, uh, you know, pretty big pickups for the Patriots if they were yep. able to sign all three. So, yep, yep. You know, you'd have to wonder if they signed those three guys, uh, Patriots fans. Would you be a little less uh, pissed off that they didn't sign Wes Welker but took the injury-prone Danny Amendola? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to read all that one just yet. You know, I'm not sure whether the Patriots did better uh, or actually lost in that deal. Uh, you know, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see how that one plays you out. You have to wonder because if they took – they could have had Welker for another two years. Yeah. Um, he signed $12 million with the Broncos. Right. For a guy like Wes Welker, who's been playing phenomenal for the New England Patriots, whether it's because of Tom Brady or not, how could you let a wide receiver like that go for that type of money? But then you turn around and give a five-year deal to Danny Amendola, to a right. guy uh, you know who's had a lot of trouble staying on the field Correct. last two seasons. 2011-12 only played one game. Last year only played 11 uh, the two seasons before that, uh, he is still yet to hit a thousand yards receiving. Yeah, yeah. This league, uh, and in four seasons, only seven touchdowns, Mike. Right. Well, you, know, you, you and I, you and I, kind of insinuated on the front end a little bit. Um, this is either a situation where the Patriots, in my opinion, were either looking at going younger, or they there there was something personal. Uh, in this particular transaction, yeah, uh, to let you know, something personal because if they agreed to a deal with Danny Amendola before that they even, you know, before Wes Walker even spoke or had a deal with the Broncos, which is now coming out, that's insane. My personal opinion, I'm going to be very, very curious to see uh, whether Welker is the Welker that we've seen for the past couple of years and, and have come to know from New England. If we're going to see the same thing out in Denver. The one thing I will say for Peyton oh, Manning... Oh, to a damn good quarterback, so... I was just going to say, the the one thing I will say for Manning is, uh, Peyton Manning spreads the ball around. 
He's a lot, he passes the ball around a lot like uh, 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 Tom Brady does. He he doesn't he doesn't necessarily pick a favorite. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. He spots a guy, bam, 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 and he's moving it all all over the place. Uh, the other thing that it does for Manning is it it, it takes care of a situation that they had out there uh, with an aging uh, uh, Stokely. Yeah. So uh, it, it, to me, it's a win-win for uh, for uh, uh, for Denver Broncos. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. If you look at the numbers as well, Wes Welker, four years older only than Danny Amendola. In ten NFL seasons, has only missed five games, Mike. Yeah, right. You know. I, I know. To me, that, that's why, Jonathan. I got to tell you, you know, my eyebrows were up when I'm I'm looking at this one. I'm going, really? You want Amendola seriously over what you've had there? Yeah. You know, I I don't know. Don't get me wrong. If he's healthy, I think Danny Amendola is a great second wide receiver. I don't think he's going to be able to take over. And step into Wes Welker's shoes. I just don't see it. He goes down. Those New England fans, they're brutal. Yeah. He's going to hear it. This ain't St. Louis. Right, right. You know? So there's going to be a lot of, you know, talk about that. Um, let's, let's, let's jump in on Geno Smith, though, for a moment. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we, we, we kind of brought up Geno Smith's name uh, a little bit there with Chris. And, uh, and let's just spend, you know, two minutes on this for, real, real quick. Uh, you know, we're hearing a lot of talk all of a sudden about Geno Smith. Uh, Geno Smith is suddenly a first rounder, and and I and I got a question I got to throw out there because of course it's it's making the news a lot down here in the Philadelphia region because well you know hey uh, people are starting to think well the the Eagles are going to actually use their fourth pick in the first round to go after Geno Smith. Here's my question: Geno Smith during the uh, collegiate football season was considered to be easy. A second rounder. Yeah. Easy. And suddenly, this guy is being propelled up into the top five? Now, I got a question. Why suddenly has this man's uh, uh, stock risen so greatly? You know, you know, we see this every single year. Yeah. Where suddenly, quarterbacks who were uh, demeaned during the regular uh, seasons, uh, suddenly... All of a sudden, as you get closer and closer to the draft, bam, all of a sudden, these guys are Superman. I am I am tired of hearing fans, particularly Eagle fans, go on about how we should be going after and, 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 and uh, targeting Geno Smith. Uh, I, I think it's a bad move. I think it's a mistake. Uh, we ride with what we've got, and you go after what is available in next year's draft, potentially, it's going to be a lot richer coming out of there next year. Oh yeah, this year. Yeah, well yeah, you got a lot of holes. I, I, I know, I don't get it. I, I, I would love to have somebody tell me yeah. why suddenly this guy was 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 a was a, a a forty pick, a forty pick in the second round. Why suddenly he's now in the top five? It's funny. He went from number one to drop into last in the first round to dropping into the second round. Now all of a sudden he's back at the top like five spot. Yeah, exactly. In the first round. So. I mean, talk about inflation. Well, listen, you know what? I think Geno Smith could be a fine quarterback in the NFL, but it's going to take a couple of years, and it's going to take the right system. But I'm going to tell you, you know? something, Jonathan, and you know this as well as I do. If you're a general manager with a top-five pick in the first round, you better, you better make damn sure you're right when you pick a quarterback. Oh, absolutely. That guy better be your franchise player for the next 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. He better be. So, so that's my rant. That's my rant on Geno Smith, and we can move on. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about another uh, quarterback real quick with uh, yeah. five minutes left in the show. Uh, Vikings landing Matt Castle. 
who the Chiefs cut. Chiefs, uh, as everybody knows, uh, you know, acquired Alex Smith from the 49ers. At the same time, though, they got Greg Jennings in Minnesota. Uh, you know, looks like he's, he might be leaving the Packers and maybe even going with their uh, rival uh-huh. in Minnesota. Um, you know, all of a sudden we got talk here that, uh, you know what, Christian Bonder could, you know, basically be backing up Matt Castle this season. Well, I would, can, I, can I be perfectly blunt? Yeah. If you're bringing in Matt Castle, yeah, that's the way it should be. Yeah. So what, you don't, you don't uh, think highly of Christian Ponder at all? Oh, no, 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 don't get me wrong. Not that I think highly of Matt Castle. But if you're bringing it, in my opinion, Jonathan, you put Matt Castle on a piece of paper, put a Christian Ponder on a piece of paper, draw the line down the middle, do the pluses and minuses, guess what? The pluses are on, on Matt Castle's side. Oh, now, that's not, to say, that's not to say that Matt Castle is a five-star quarterback. He's not, okay? In my opinion... Uh, uh, Minnesota, by acquiring Matt Castle, went from being mediocre to plus-plus mediocre. That's my attitude. <laughs> to plus-plus mediocre. Yep. I don't know, man. If it's me, I mean, I, 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 you know what? I'd rather stick with Christian Ponder. Only two seasons, man. You know, Castle has showed absolutely nothing in the 16 games with the Patriots that year. Showed very little, and then you know, with the last four seasons, uh, what do you, you have? Know, he had one with... one good season, I think. Yeah, good... yeah listen, yeah, listen. You know, no, no. You know what? He had two good seasons. Let's say he played okay. games for the Patriots in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and he threw for uh, thirty six hundred plus yards, twenty one touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Following year, first year with Kansas City, almost three thousand yards, sixteen touchdowns, sixteen interceptions. You know, next year, well, actually, well, excuse me, that was, you know, eh, mediocre year. Next year, though, 27 touchdowns, he threw seven interceptions, uh, 31 plus hundred yards. Uh huh. 2010, 2011. The guys had two good seasons in the NFL. Okay, all right. Um, is that saying that he can't be a good quarterback in the NFL? No, because we've seen it before. Okay, you know, no, wait. Quarterback okay. can be around for a long time and go to the right, you know, you know, to the right system with the right coaches and just click. Okay, but wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Are we going to see that with Castle in Minnesota? I don't now, think so. Now, you just said you just said he's had two good seasons. Yeah, he's okay. had two good seasons. Ponder's had two seasons. Yes. Two okay. good seasons in eight years. In okay. eight oh. seasons for Matt Castle. Okay, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Castle's had two good seasons. Ponder's had two seasons. Yes. Who's the better quarterback? <laughs> I thought for what Minnesota had last year, I thought Ponder did pretty good. Castle will do them better, and like I said, it'll be plus plus mediocre. <laughs> well, if you're so against Castle, when they when they said it about him going to the Eagles, why were you so against it for? I'm not. I'm not against Castle. I'm saying he's going to be an upgrade. I think over what Minnesota's got. Well, at, 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 with Ponder, but is it going to put Minnesota on the map? No, it's not. No. I don't know. I'd stick with Ponder. Everybody was on Ponder's yacht last season until the last couple of games. So. Including you, Mike. I think I heard you talking about Ponder a little bit there last year. L- l- you were shocked at what the Vikings were doing. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Uh, or early on in the Highly about Ponder early on in the season, Mike. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I was. Uh, but look, 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 Jonathan, you're, we're always going to be a little bit. We're always going to be a little bit shocked when a team comes out of nowhere and is suddenly doing some of the things that, 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 that nobody expected them. Oh, of course. All right. I mean, for God's sake, we were all excited about Arizona too. Hey, look, man, you know what? Man, if, you know what? If you know. He continue to go up from the season he had last season. He's going to be a good quarterback. Well, I, you know, you know, Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb 
ran that ran that Arizona team very well at the beginning of the season last year. Yeah, and he went down with an injury, and they flailed. So exactly. You know, that's why I'm not knocking Kevin Cobb. I thought he did an excellent job this season while he was playing. So, so we were praising we were praising Arizona at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and, and, and look, and when they started losing, what did I say? Because Kevin Cobb is not in there. You go with a guy like John Skelton. There you go. Sure back. So, all right, that's it for today's show. We want to thank Chris Lepresti from WFM 660 AN up in New York for joining us today and talking New York Jets football. You got it. And uh, don't forget, tomorrow, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Mike, or 2 Yes, sir, 3 p.m. 3 p.m., uh, Friday, Saturday, here on the Fan Junkies Radio Network. Check out uh, Mike McShane. And uh, call in. Help him please, out. Please do. There'll be good times there. So. Yes, it will. All right, well, we'll be back Monday with former NHL referee Kerry Frazier. Looking forward to that. Joining us at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Monday, March 18th. So, don't forget, better check out Friday or Saturday tomorrow. Thank you very much. I will see you on Monday, if you know. You got it. All right, so for Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Raggis. Thank you for tuning in to Fan Junkies Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. Happy St. Patrick's Day.